that everybody has a lot of things to say about it. So it would be great. <laughs> I think it would be great if, if one person from each of those little groups stood up and said in one sentence, what was your group's consensus thought? What did you think? Two sentences. Arnie. Well, we were just chatting about the bigger picture of healthcare. Yeah. And, and we were chatting about the creativity of this man to not burden anyone in his family. And this was a way that he could yeah. participate in getting some, some care. Yeah. And we also talked about uh, one of us knowing someone at San Quentin who's a doctor yeah. who said it's unbelievable the amount of cost it is to to serve all these folks and their needs, their medical needs. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it took us down a path of a larger picture of yeah. healthcare, really, and, and uh, away from this individual who was creative to get for himself. And indeed, I want to come back to that, all, that uh, particularly your words about taking to a bigger picture, because my sense of what mindfulness is about is it's about paying attention but it's about paying attention to the immediate in order to be able to see the larger picture always. Um, I want to, let me remind myself about what I want to come back to, so then I want to, okay. A larger picture, okay. Now, what's another group? What did you all think? Barbara. Well, we thought that he, the whole story and his way of operating was kind. Mm -hmm. To himself and to when he went in the bank, he didn't try to scare everyone and mm -hmm. make a big deal. And gentle and thoughtful mm -hmm. in the way. And mm -hmm. that's what we thought. There was just a kindness and compassion for himself and others while he was doing this. So the, the kindness and compassion for himself and others brings you to the line about uh, from the Buddha where he is counseling his son, Rahula. Before doing anything, Rahula, right. Think to yourself, uh, is what I'm about to do for the well-being of myself and the well-being of all beings? And if it is, go ahead and do it. He said two more parts, but we'll come back to them another time. Yes, Barbara. We went from it's very creative to it's a statement to the wider picture of healthcare to the war. Okay. <laughs> yes, we, we did too. Yeah, so everybody, because that's the wider picture. Well, that's a wider picture. What else? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Margaret brought up the point that, you know, everything was fine. It's just remembering that there was a woman in there who ended up going to the I did notice it. Like, even, even as well thought out as that was, yeah. that it didn't harm his family. Yeah. Yeah. Just somebody unintentionally. That's a, that's a very, very important point as well. They said that the, the woman that he handed the note to, it says here, got so frightened she had to go to the hospital. Oh, I thought you said she sent him to the hospital. No, no, no. She, he went to jail. Okay. Um, the teller was so frightened that she had to be taken to the hospital to be checked out. Meanwhile, he was taken to jail just as he had planned it. So, okay, everything is complicated. Now, now we now add another piece to our dharma, 
everything is complicated. Mm. Yeah. But was it really for his well-being uh, to go to prison? Prison is a tough world, and I'm not sure that was the best decision for him. So yeah. He may not get the health care he, he really needs. Need so he may not get the health care. But the other thing, Michaud, is that he points out that he said he didn't go, he doesn't mix with the other inmates, I think because he's, you know. But uh, but no, 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 it's a very extremely good point because the larger picture is also the state of the prisons. It's a uh, state of the prisons, the state of the health care, the state of the war, the state of, yeah. Well, it just, it's desperation, helplessness just makes people do things that they wouldn't normally do. Yeah, survive. He's like, not being judgmental about this person, he almost didn't, seem to have control over his, the outcome that he thought that he needed to do for himself just by helplessness. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm thinking he's doing out of a certain desperation. Uh, I'm actually also thinking about um, the people who do, uh, uh, not out of personal desperation, in their life situation, but uh, who do something like break a break a rule in order to come to attention and be in the newspapers to make a point about some bigger issue, uh, like get arrested, civil disobedience, get arrested. Um, yeah. kind of presented the facts <clears throat> that he seemed like a man that had a lot of, to use your word, composure and equanimity and very solid mm -hmm. and thoughtful. Well, I thought about the fact that he got up and ironed his shirt and <laughs> wrote a note and wrote a note to the, to the, to the newspaper and said, this is where you'll find me. I thought to myself, I bet he's received a thousand letters mm -hmm. in that jail, you know, from like people. <laughs> Betty thinks maybe he's received a thousand dollars letters with dollar bills in them, maybe, but that ain't going to get him enough money for health care, actually. Yeah. We also talked about the thing at the end where he said uh, he was going to end up at the beach, yeah. and kind of like, well, what is that? Is that like, oh, now he's going to be on Easy Street, or is the beach, you know, not like this enclave of? wealth, but maybe it's just like a working class area. We don't know what beach it is. Yeah. Well, he's planning to live on his social security, which you'd have to live in some pretty remote beach in order to be able, <laughs> in order to, be able to do. My, 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 guess, my guess from the number of symptoms that he has is he's going to be a 65-year-old man with, uh, with only, you know, his skills are driving a truck and being a clerk in a convenience store. And after 65, if he's partially disabled, it doesn't seem like he actually can look forward to a, a career that he'll make any money at. Maybe so. media liaison, though. He was really good at publicizing himself. He was very good. That He's got a skill at that. But, uh, yeah.
think what he did was immoral because it was dishonest. To me, it was dishonest. It was using a system that obviously has to be broken. So then the question to me becomes, um, many of the systems have to be broken. Mm -hmm. And so what does one do about that other than in our own lives? Um, create the systems that work for us, mm -hmm. that are kind, that are moral, that are mm -hmm. just. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? This may be a good time to say. Uh, when I was at that uh, Buddhist meeting in Garrison, some of you know because last week I had just gotten home from a whatever you call it, every 10-year meeting of Buddhist teachers from all over the world. So it was a really exciting thing to be together with upwards of 200 people teaching in all the lineages. And one day we were, we were in, in some smaller group talking about what's exciting to you now in the world. And uh, what, ex what excites your work is probably how this came about. What, what inspires you to teach? And I said, well, you know, I, the, the thing that's been on my mind that's most inspirational this particular part of this year has been the Arab Spring phenomenon. And the phenomenon in a larger sense of people with social media saying to each other, let's change this. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, at some point, maybe, I hope, because look what's happening to the planet, maybe at some time in our lifetimes, may it come to pass, we'll have, we'll be able to text each other, who will text each other, who will text each other, and the whole world will know, that will say, here's a piece of news. Peace is possible. We could have a peace on this whole planet we could feed ourselves, we could house ourselves, and everybody else, and take care of everybody's medical care. Peace is possible, pass it on. And they wouldn't have to do it, you don't have to be a Buddhist to do it. You just have to look at, wait a minute, what we're doing now, which is fighting with everybody, is degrading the planet and killing a lot of people and, and impoverishing everybody else. We could do it differently. And here's all these people who are now in their 20s, they don't want, you know, we're, we're, many of us are now not looking forward to another 60 years on this planet because we just don't have it. But the 20-year-olds who are having new children, they are looking forward to having a planet for their children and their grandchildren. Pass it on, we could save the planet, would be a very effective tool. So I, I talked about, that's what I'm very excited about, social media and spreading that particular word, peace is possible, we could have a different world. Uh, well, I was going to say one more thing da, 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 the, about what somebody just said, what went out of my mind, about making a difference, checking the morality of it. It'll come into my mind in a second. Ah, uh, I was talking about, so I was followed this up at that meeting with uh, a friend of mine who's... Um, Actually, the, uh, the, the publisher of the Shambhala Sun, and uh, talking about the, the excitement of that. And uh, he was talking about the idea of, of training the mind has now caught on in American culture. So here's a question that I want to kind of ask you to think about a little bit. You'll notice, partly we joke about it. We say everybody is mindful these days. Mindfulness has caught on 10 years ago 
at least in the John Kabat-Zinn medical world and the um, in the world of uh, education, we've been really talking about emotional intelligence. Dan Goldman and John Kabat-Zinn, mindfulness-based stress reduction. So in the medical world and in the educational world, people are now doing mindfulness classes, training children in mindfulness, not talking about the Buddha, which is all right with me, because the point that, I, that really interests me is the possibility of a planet full of people with trained minds, trained in the direction of peace and conciliation, reconciliation. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. There's also uh, the interesting phenomenon of mindfulness is so in the public, uh, in, the, in the mainstream view these days. So if you pick up a mainstream magazine, they have uh, mindful gardening, Mindful, you know, mindful parenting is great. Mindful mothering is still great. Mindful parenting, mindful sex. It's great, it's great. But it's getting a little bit off what the Buddha taught, really, <laughs> at that point. And, if, and, the, and that somebody said, Arnie was saying, the bigger picture. And it's, it comes down to gardening and everything else. I don't mind about that, but I really don't want to lose the central teaching of the Buddha, which is that peace is possible in people's minds all over the world. That's the main goal of mindfulness, that we could not only have peace, but we could have a sense of compassion for all other beings sharing this world. Not personal peace alone, but personal peace on behalf of the world. So it's not a self-limiting, just I'll feel better. That'd be good, but it's I'll feel better on behalf of something. So it really has a goal. When we sit here, it's not a self-centered practice. Uh, one, I was very involved in reading college descriptions in the last year as one of my grandchildren was applying to colleges. I was really interested in Georgetown University. In Georgetown, their commitment is to training people who are going to have an effect in the world for the good. And so whatever you study at Georgetown, you study mathematics, it has, you have to have an idea. You can study mathematics, you major in mathematics, but you have to have a way of understanding how the mathematics that I learn is going to make a difference in the world when I'm finished. How the French that I learn is going to make a difference in the world when I'm finished. And you don't have to prove it, you just have to have it as a view so that what you study is in the context of. I thought that was great. I thought, what if all of our higher learning or lower learning was how is what I'm learning now going to make a difference in the world? Just to orient people's minds to that particular phrase. I've been reading about how much it does a child good to have a family and a community that says to it as a child, him or her, what are you going to be when you grow up? makes a whole difference if you live in a community that has a sense of what are you going to be, then what are you going to do? What are you going to be? What are you going to become? When you talked about Henry's aunt saying to him, seeing in him what he could become, it makes us really think about what will I be? I could be this, I could be that. Even to add to that, if we, ha if we ask children, how are you going to make a difference in the world when you grow up? What do you want to do for the world? You want to vacuum clean the atmosphere and get it all cleaned up? Why not? You know, Just to set it as a compass for people. What are you going to be in the world? So I was talking to uh, 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 this friend of mine, James Shaheen, and uh, he said, um, he, 
he said, anyway, I'm, I'm actually confused. I don't want to quote James Shaheen because it wasn't James. It, it was somebody else, but the story is not dependent on that. The story is dependent on the information. The information is that um, there's a woman, do you remember when I told you some weeks ago about a former uh, helicopter gunner in the Vietnam War who after the end of that war, in, as part of his recovery from his extreme trauma before the war and during the war, not only recovered his own sanity and sobriety, but in the, in the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, the teachings of peace, became transformed into a person who uh, was ready to dedicate his life to teaching people about a life of peace. It's the most compelling book I've read about personal transformation. That, you know, I think I said about myself that I was kinder. I didn't start out unkind, and I had really loving parents. Most of us had some sort of support, I would guess, growing up. J uh, Thomas Anshin, Thomas, Claude Austin Thomas is what his, uh, Claude Anshin Thomas is what his name is. Uh, Claude Thomas will bring it up on the Amazon. And he wrote a book called At Hell's Gate, which is the most compelling book I've read ever about personal transformation. Because he not only was in Vietnam, he was so seriously physically and emotionally abused by his parents before he joined the Marines. And he was so emotionally and physically abused by his training officers when he trained in the Marines that by the time he got to Vietnam, he was in a murderous rage. And when he was there, he vented his murderous rage. And he said, I didn't feel at all badly about killing so many people. And then when he came home, he took him a while, years of disastrous living to get help, to sort out his mind, to achieve sobriety from all kinds of addictions, to join Thich Nhat Hanh's community to be transformed into a person who was ready to give his life out of his own recognition of the pain he felt about what he had done and the love he felt in the context of that community and those teachings to dedicate his life to teaching it to other people, which is what he's doing. It's amazing. It's a little paperback book. I really was changed by it. So I mentioned this. And uh, whoever it was in that conversation said, there's a woman who's uh, teaching, uh, who is also a combat veteran who came back, was changed by mindfulness teachings, has done now a lot, a lot of retreat trainings at uh, the Barry, uh, uh, in, in Barry, Massachusetts, at the Insight Meditation Center, and is now teaching it for the Pentagon. And they're teaching it at Camp Pendleton, 60,000 Marines at Camp Pendleton. So, yeah, again, I'm thinking about, so here is printed out, it, and it's a, it's a morality question. It's a morality question because she's working for the government, training military to be mindful. It turns out so then you think, well, wait a minute, the Buddha said don't support military, don't support soldiers. Uh, on the other hand, what's happening from the people that are being trained 
is they're coming home with less PTSD, less addictions, less broken marriages, less broken people, and committing less mayhem. More likely, they find, now it's been going for a while, when these people are engaged in their maneuvers of whatever they're doing, they're less likely to shoot people, more likely to keep their composure and check out what's going on. So they are apparently more effective Marines because they're creating less mayhem outside of them and inside of them. So I, 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 uh, I really uh, you know, suggest, I'm trying to look at this woman's, I forgot the name of the particular woman who's doing it, but you can find it. She's not on their research page. It's called Mindfulness-Based Mind Fitness Training. So you think to yourself, This particular curriculum of mindfulness-based mind fitness training draws on more than 30 years of empirical research about the efficacy of mindfulness training. It continues to be empirically tested through rigorous neuroscience research in collaboration with two doctors who are famous neuroscientists. And they've been doing this for some years. The Marine Corps is training people pre-deployment and testing them after and finding that it's very helpful in making less differently trained Marines. So the whole question of morality comes up. At least it goes through the mind. What's the morality of teaching Marines to be more level-headed? So should I have a problem with that? Should I not have a problem with that? Should I say, what's the larger picture? There are Marines. These Marines are experiencing less havoc in their own minds and creating less havoc in their expression as Marines. The idea that I heard um, is that this has turned out to be such a good program that they're planning to expand it from the Marines through the entire armed forces. Is that a good thing? Is that a not good thing? You know, you know. Do you have a pause for thought? You know, yeah, Lynn. Well, to use your words, Sylvia, that it introduces it. It could be other than this. There is another way, yeah. or it could be different. Yeah. I mean, I've heard you say that a lot. But yeah. What is what does change mean or transformation? Does it mean that you have another perspective, that there is another perspective to be able to ask, does it have to be this way? Yeah. Well, and, and who knows what this will lead to uh, in terms of a significant number of people comporting themselves differently. Maybe that will help a significant number of people who were there. Some of the most effective people uh, that I listened to uh, joining politics after their return from being combat veterans uh, really have a perspective of we need to make peace. You know, that, what's the long-range possibility of that? Yeah. I just wanted to add some little bit of information. In the 50s, I was working with a man who was a psychologist hired by the Navy to study people in the Navy brig in San Diego. 
the main study had to do with Marines because they were the highest number of prisoners in that period. The overall findings at the point that he was reporting to us was that for the most part, they fit the definitions of psychopathy. Mm. Um, and these were a, a relatively high percentage of mm. people, both in the brig and the description of who were people who were Marines. Mm -hmm. With that, I think, fact, mm -hmm. it's even more impressive to know that something like you're describing is going on. That mm. There's been a change through the years, mm -hmm. recognition of the problem they had, mm -hmm. and a way to get away from that problem. So thank you very much for that, because uh, the definition of psychopathy, uh, among, among the definitions, one, one of the marks of being, of, of behavior being psychopathic is the ability to do a crime and not feel bad about it. And there's a line in Claude Thomas's book where he said, I was so mad by the time that I got to Vietnam, I was assigned to be, I volunteered to be a helicopter gunner, rear gunner. I mowed down crowds of people and he said, I didn't feel the least bit bad about it. And it's chilling to think about it, you know. And most of us, if we, you know, run over an, uh, an animal in the street, accidentally hit a deer, we feel terrible. But to be able to purposely kill people and not know. And Claude Thomas became completely transformed to a person who appreciates and teaches peace. When you think about the transformative powers of practice, that's, a, that's really, it's an incredibly off the chart story. Makes me weep actually a little bit. So I can't, I'm so sorry that it's 11 o'clock because I don't want you to leave yet. I want you to stay another five minutes because I didn't say my thing about, uh, uh, about the thousands of Buddhas. And I'm not going to see you for another month now. Um, I so enjoy being here. But anyway, I need to be away for a month. I'm going to see the Dalai Lama do teachings in, uh, in uh, D.C. next month. So I'm thrilled about that. So I'll come back. I'll come back. Be sure I'll be all fired up to tell you what His Holiness said. But I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. I've, I've been in rooms with him before, and it's really an incomparable experience. Anyway, I'm going to be back on the 20s, on the last Wednesday in, June, in July prior to the first Sunday in uh, August, which is August 7th, on which there's the formal inauguration, which I am beating to the presentation of, of the Sangha of Thousands of Buddhas. So in brief, peace is possible. I want the whole world to know. I want Spirit Rock to replace these buildings that are falling down with buildings that will adequately live through the next many, many generations which have been all plans approved by the county, ready to go. We need the funds to do it. There's tremendous fundraising that's happening apart from the Sangha of thousands of Buddhas. There are fortunately people of great means who have already been quite generous. So we're about halfway through with the fundraising. For those of us who cannot be enormously generous because of our, the nature of our situation in the world, which is most of us, there's a way in which, and I'm asking you to join it, we could all support this. It involves pledging $1,000 over three years. Comes to $28 a month, 
that if you, some people last week, first of all, 10 people signed up last week. Thank you so much. And the whole teachers council signs up and the board signs up and people decide that they're going to pay the $1,000, just write a check. People decide they're going to pay it once a year, $333 by check. People decide, uh, somebody decided uh, once every six months and worked out the math. Other people give their uh, sell their credit card number or, and whatever, debit card number, and it comes out magically every month, $28. I myself do the magically every, eight, every month because I like to see it. On my in uh, between Safeway and uh, and Home Depot, I like to see a few Spirit Rock things in there. It, it actually picks up your mood when you read your charge card. <laughs> so the re so I'm going to talk to I'm going to tell you about it for the next three years. But I'd really like to encourage you to sign up right away. Uh, first of all, because I'd like us to be the flagship of it, and I could say to everybody else I see, you know, the Wednesday morning, da-da-da-da. And the other reason is because on the 7th of August, there's a, um, a, a party in the, in the big meditation hall on top of the hill, which celebrates the birth of this program and my birthday and Jack's birthday. I have a big birthday. I will be 75 next month. But Jack is only 66. However old we get, I'm always going to be nine years older than him. He cannot catch up with me. Uh, but we like to celebrate our birthdays together. And you get to come to that if you think you're going to join or if you actually join. So if you actually join, you can come. So anyway, and I gave these out last week. So you might have, how, who has one of these and is thinking about them? Who doesn't have one? Ah, all right, so how about the monitors will pass them out. If you are new today, please come back. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have you come back, Arnie. We didn't even finish talking about baby namings. You know what a baby naming is? Because we are very much, you, you asked earlier about how are we, how do our traditions interface. Every tradition that I know of says hello in a formal way to newly people arrived in the tribe. Uh, what we like to do here is have a baby anywhere. We have babies anywhere up to whatever people want to bring. Uh, babies up to 80, <laughs> Betty says. Are you 80? We will be next month, right before yours. Yeah, we all have birthdays. Oh, wait, and Mijo has a birthday. The next time we come back, on the 27th of June, we will bless you, July, we will bless you on your 80th birthday, and maybe Susan will bring her baby. And the, or child, and we bring them up here, and we say its name, and the community says, may you have a wonderful, happy life with lots of friends and good things happen to you. And we say this child's name is this and this, and its parents' names are that and that, and its grandparents' names are Arnie and Susan, and everybody wishes them well and sings happy birthday. And then we count them to be a member of our community here. So you're welcome to do that anytime you want. Yeah, now, Susan. We're already in the stewardship, and we have the honor of having this deducted from my so it's deducted every month from our credit card. Is this an addition to that? It is, but you know what? If you give more than that every month, you can just see me, and I'll just I'll just spread out that twenty-eight into this, so you don't have to have more of a financial burden on your family. Yeah. Seriously, and if you're giving twenty-five, I'll shift you over altogether, and you'll just give three dollars more a month. 
Seriously, I want everybody to be in this so they can come to all the things that says sign. And you sign a scroll, you know, we're going to have a scroll signing. Okay. So you get to sign a scroll, like a Declaration of Independence or a Constitution. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.